Welcome to Food Stories. I'm Barb Sheldon, and today I get to sit down at my kitchen table with one of my favorite people to talk to, Josie Chu. Josie is a Canadian photographer who, in her words, lives and breathes photography and takes her role of memory keeper seriously. I kind of love that. I feel like that's what we're sort of doing here at Food Stories, talking to people about their memories and preserving them so that we can all connect and learn from each other about food and the power of food. Josie is going to talk to us about what it was like to grow up as a first-generation Chinese-Canadian on the Alberta prairies in her family's restaurant in Lacombe, Alberta, as she cooked and served alongside her siblings, her parents, and her grandparents. And then when she got home, she would eat the real good stuff. She's going to talk to us about her favorite recipe and is going to give us her top five food story songs, which will be on our Spotify food stories playlist. So grab something warm and cozy. I've got my cup of tea beside me and let's tuck in and listen to the food story of Josie Chu. I think Josie, I'm just going to let you introduce yourself before we get into your food story. Okay, well, my name is actually Josephine Chu, no middle name, um, I, but the only person that calls me Josephine is my mom. So I go by Josie, and, um, and legally my name is Josie Drever Chu because I married and I took my husband's last name as my middle name because I didn't have a middle name. I did not know that. So yeah. Drever is your middle name. I did not it know is. that. It is. Yeah. Very cool. Okay. Um, so we're here to talk about your food story. And I chose you as one of our first podcasts because you have told me over the years so many interesting stories about how you grew up. So you're Chinese Canadian. Yes. And so, you grew, uh, is that what you call, is, is, is that what um, your family would say? Um, yes, but they, they really pushed that we're the first, my sister, my brother and I are the first generation. Chinese Canadian. Okay. And where did you grow up? So I grew up in Lacombe, Alberta. So Mm -hmm. I was born in Banff. My parents kind of moved around because my dad was a chef. And we we lived in Banff. Then we lived in Red Deer for a while. And then they bought a restaurant in Lacombe. And so we kind of commuted back and forth for a little bit till I was probably about five. And then they bought a house in Lacombe. So we didn't have to commute anymore. And okay. so, yeah, it was, a, it was called the Empress Hotel. Your house was called the Empress Hotel? No, the, the restaurant, the business <laughs> was called, yeah. <laughs> so we, okay, well, I was just going to say that's a perfect lead-in then I, for me to ask you, tell me your food story. Okay, so when I think of my food story, it just seems like chapters. So okay. when I think of, okay, so then the, we had, there's the restaurant side of it. So my parents ran a Chinese Western restaurant and it also had like a country bar and a hotel. And so um, I was kind of back and forth because I was a waitress when I was 11. And so we served all the this food that I we didn't eat. So it was like chicken fried rice, um, sweet and sour chicken balls, and I hate sweet and sour sauce. So we, there was all these things that I were disgusting but we served it then there was the hamburgers and like the steak sandwich and stuff like that which I did enjoy so then we do this all day and then we would come home about eight o'clock and we'd have our dinner and we'd have like real Chinese food so that meant it was like um the family style there'd be about five different plates and it was um my parents my 
grandparents, my mother's side, so my um, my popo and my gongo, who are my mom's side, because they worked in the restaurant and they lived with us. So there would be them, so that'd be, um, and then my brother and my sister. So my older sister and then my younger brother and me. So there'd be like seven of us sitting, wait, that's seven. Yeah, seven of us sitting at the table, 8 p.m., even this is a school night. And then we'd like have our dinner and it'd be like always bowl of rice. Um, and then there might be like steamed fish or like glass noodles. Um, and then if there was a day that nobody felt like really serving a big meal, then we probably would just have this kind of dish, which was just rice and boiled water. And then you would just take all that bottom of the the kind of crunchy rice on the bottom of the pan and then just kind of mix it with the um water and it turned into kind of like a soup like and a then con- we would like a kanji like it wasn't a kanji because it wasn't like porridge like it was still like the oh. rice was still together so it would just be like this rice broth with big chunks of crunchy rice in it with regular That's rice. Delicious. That sounds delicious. So then, yeah. So yeah. then there would be like maybe like a beaten up egg in it with some scallions. Or there used to be this can that came, it was like an oval can and it had like this fish and black bean sauce. I, don't, I haven't seen it forever, but it, we would get like maybe a scoop of that. And then that would kind of be dinner if nobody felt like really having a big dinner. Right. Well, especially so, after yeah. cooking all day. So, yeah. let me, so let me get this straight. So maybe this seems obvious to the listeners, but the food that you served in your restaurant was not the food you ate at home. Why do you right. think your parents made that decision to not to not Eat. serve the same type mm. of food? Because I know that they craved real Chinese food and what they were cooking was just for the town. The town was just mainly farmers and um you know it was like i think it was about six thousand people at the time so people loved their like so they did breakfast too so they mean they had their scrambled eggs they had their pancakes then lunchtime it would be their like their combo of like chicken fried rice and chicken balls and ribs or something like that and that was something that wasn't even something they ate it was just something that was on the menu that my dad probably just took from a different menu that he worked at right so yeah like after he got to Canada like a Canadianized version of yeah Chinese food essentially yeah and it's not that we didn't eat it like we would have it sometimes like we'd have our own version my dad would make us a version of it but um we just kind of would crave like I mean we just wanted fries we just wanted fries and gravy if we wanted anything (laughs) and then they would then eventually the dinners kind of moved to the restaurant. They weren't always at home because the hours were getting longer. We were getting older, so we could actually stay up later. So we would have our dinners at the restaurant. And did you live? Home. Did you live close to the restaurant? So we're about two blocks away. So my grandparents okay. walked like back and forth every single day. They did different shifts. So one would do the morning shift, one would do the night shift. And they like even in the winter, even like it's like, you know, minus. 40, they're still walking back and forth. And my mom did the morning shift and my dad did the night shift. And they were all in the kitchen, all four of them. Yes. yes. And how old were your grandparents when they were doing this? I think my grandparents were 60. 
at the time. Yeah. So they weren't that old. Yeah. Um, so like they like they were the dishwashers. They did all the prep work. They did all like um, and they also were the ones that took care of us of the kids because my parents were like doing 16 hours a day. So we really didn't see my parents unless we went to the hotel or to the restaurant. We always yeah. called it the hotel because at first it was just the restaurant that we kind of ran. Then it, it just ended up being the, the um, there was a dining room as well. So that was kind of the fancy side of it. Mm-hmm. And then um, there was the bar and then the hotel. The dining room eventually became a liquor store. Because it didn't really suit Lacombe, like Lacombe, having yeah. a, a dining room. Because it was fancy. Like it was like the wow. T-bone steaks and um, it was on fancier plates. And, you know, it wasn't like wearing just uh, that typical uh, waitress outfit. You know, the like yeah. Alice, the show Alice. Yeah. Like, yeah. Do you remember? Like it was the yeah. waitresses always wore those in the coffee right. shop, like a coffee shop restaurant. And then it was like more dressier in the the dining room area. My goodness. Yeah. And so um, looking back on that time in your life, what dish brought you the most joy to eat? Okay. If I sum it up, I would say fries and gravy. I just loved <laughs> fries and gravy and that would just be like that after school thing because we couldn't have it all the time yeah and then my sisters yeah my sister would put ketchup with it which was disgusting but um yeah I just loved and I still do love fries and gravy but there's gonna be that there's hasn't been that same taste and the same gravy like my mom still makes gravy but it's not the same does your mom share her recipes no <laughs> so in short we, no <laughs> unless we were watching her and we kind of didn't tell her we were um recording it in our memory she um probably wouldn't participate in any of that like she just it's her thing I don't know why she doesn't want to share it but it's just she tells us that she can't remember and it's just um she does it on the spot and she just sometimes it changes but I think she just doesn't want us to have it. So then we come, keep coming back to her so we could have the meal. So, <laughs> of course. And so is there anything from your childhood growing up, whether traditional or more, you know, modern Canadian, is there any dish that they've made that you have been able to replicate? Yes. Yeah, so um, my favorite, favorite, favorite is um, sea bass with black bean sauce. And Ooh. I can't make it all the time because sea bass is so hard to find. Uh-huh. And um, so I've tried with other fish. So literally, it's so easy. It's literally just the black bean paste that you buy at the like Chinese grocery store, chopped up ginger and scallions, and you just steam the fish with like a big spoonful of the black bean sauce. And that was my favorite, just that and rice. And so I've made it for my kids. Um, my husband loves it. They always want it, but I cannot find sea bass. And um, if there's anything that they want, that's what they want is the sea bass. No, I want that. I know it's so good. It sounds delicious. But I haven't seen sea bass forever. Yeah, it's hard here in Alberta. Mm-hmm. Um, talking about your kids, do you mind talking about the connection to food with your kiddos? Kiddos. Okay. Yeah. So um, um, Milo, who's... 21 now as of this week 
He is a sous chef. And I didn't know that he was so into food until he was probably five um, when I was, well, he was actually four. And I was pregnant with Nixon, who is now 16. So Milo would, like Milo loved cooking shows. And so he would always um, be watching, but he never cooked. That's the weird thing. He loves to eat and he loves to try new things, but he never wanted to make them at first. So, but he was just really into watching it on TV. And then we always, we always thought he would have his own show because that's yeah. kind of, he would kind of pretend that, that he was cooking. <laughs> and um, he never used food when he was pretending. He was just using nothing and just yeah. pretend to be on a show. Does he have a connection to any of your traditional so milo has a sesame allergy which is really hard for chinese food Mm -hmm. and everything that it's really sad because all the family events that were used to be in restaurants like our we go for dim sum um like we would drive to calgary like maybe once a month on a sunday and we go to silver dragon in calgary and we would have our dim sum and then my dad would go to the horse races and then the rest of us might go to Chinook Mall. So we that's always been, Silver Dragon has always been our like go-to um, dim sum place. But then um, when Milo was born and we he, we found out he was allergic to sesame, I think he was two years old, we couldn't take him to anything, any place. We can take him for like dinner or um, dim sum just because even though we would stress he has allergy there would somehow be a mix up and he would get some kind of sesame and then he would have a reaction. Mm-hmm. So then it just turned out to be that my mom would duplicate everything for him. So she would make all the dim sum. She would make anything that we enjoyed and she would just freeze it for him and bring it for him. So whenever they came, the sad thing is Milo wouldn't come with us for dim sum. He would stay at home. And then it would just be his younger brother that went because he it was too hard for him to watch us eat because he, he totally. could just pretty much have rice and maybe vegetables. Yeah. So it just came to this thing where he just ended up not coming with us. And then he, my mom would make him his own little dim sum. So that part was hard. Um, and must he, still be hard today. Like he, he's yeah. chosen to be right in the the essentially sesame soup of life he 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 has to navigate his own allergies now now that he's an adult in that industry and he like does react he does have um sometimes he has like a rash he wears gloves so you can actually see where the sesame has touched him so he might have a rash from the the gloves up um nothing that he's anaphylactic like he hasn't had any ingested so but generally it goes to goes in like if he has had it by mistake he instantly knows knows, so it never has gone like into him he usually will react do you think that's hard for your parents and wanting to expose him to your family culture and oh definitely yeah definitely because my mom was kind of in denial that he was allergic to it Mm -hmm. and we kept telling her you know what he's going to die. You're going to kill him with the, all the mm-hmm. sesame. So, I mean, it was hard for her to just get rid of all the sesame oil. Yeah. And um, just like, I I think it was hard for them not to have him at dinners or have him at 
Like if we did do a like a brunch, I mean, we'd go for eggs, which isn't what they want to do. Right. Or we would go for supper and we would go to like have steaks and stuff like that instead of actual real Chinese food, which right. is hard on them. Totally. So there is that distance between like they don't have that yeah. food relationship with him. That's interesting. And between your mom and your dad. So your dad's the trained chef. But yes. it sounds like did your mom do most of the cooking and, and has been um, the one that has kept cooking or does your dad still cook? My dad still cooks. Yeah. Um, so he was trained in restaurants and my mom just learned everything she knows from him. So because she just eventually was the waitress at the place at the restaurant and then she ended up going into the kitchen just because it was a lot harder to teach um, their employees how to use the walk and so it was just natural for her so she just ended up doing the morning and the lunch shift so the breakfast and the lunch shift which the lunch had like lots of Chinese food breakfast mm -hmm. didn't mm -hmm. and so um, yeah my dad we always joke that my dad's food tastes better because <laughs> uh -oh. we always said we just bugged her because we said that his was with love <laughs> Oh, poor mom. But my, for, she was keeping you alive. That's the yes. thing, right? Yeah. And like, it's just that my dad is very precise. Yeah. So it's very consistent. And my mom is kind of, she makes it. And if she feels like you want more meat, she's going to put more meat in it. Right. So it's not always the same. Yeah, it's more intuitive. Yes. Do you have from, like you started waitressing when you were 11 years old. That's crazy. And obviously would never happen by today's standards. But do you have any food memories from that time that are particularly funny or strange or um so there's a story about my sister and I and I remember it she doesn't we used to have to sleep in the storeroom so this is before we were waitresses she's a year older than me so we would have to sleep in the storeroom if it was like a late night and we had nowhere to go so we would always taste the spices and so there'd be buckets of spices. And then we'd have this little game where we would just, you know, dip our fingers in and try and guess what it was. Well, at that time, there was still MSG. And so, oh, no. <laughs> so we would dip our finger in the MSG. And it's very obvious it's MSG because it has, it doesn't even look real because it's just kind of like a little crystal. Uh -huh. And we would be like, oh, gross. Oh, it tricked us every time. And we, like, I don't know, we just, it was so disgusting, but we still would dip into it every once in a while. And um, <laughs> like had, every person ever with their hand in a bag of Doritos. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's like, why but am I was, doing this? But you can't help it. It was so mainly was like pepper, you know, salt, uh -huh. seasoning salt, um, right. maybe like basil or something like that. I don't think there was basil. Maybe it was oregano or something when they sure. made spaghetti or something like that. Yeah. But um, we like would have all the boxes back there, like furniture. And we would sleep on the shelves like bunk beds. And um, we oh spent gosh. a lot of, so this is before my brother was born. So my brother was five years younger than I was. So it was just me and my sister always in the storeroom. And we played in there. And then when we were old enough that we started waitressing. And um, that's when I kind of realized I hate blue cheese because we would have to do like a salad and we'd have to pour the blue cheese dressing oh yeah and that was the most disgusting thing in the world and, and you, still, I, you still don't like it i still do not like the smell of blue cheese 
right? I won't. Yes. <laughs> so there's probably only three things I won't eat, and that's um, blue cheese, um, yeah. tripe, and because yeah. I don't like the texture, and beets. But beets has kind of changed. I know that everybody loves beets, but mine is associated with bad memories of being shipped off to like one of the waitresses family dinners and there was beets and it just tasted like dirt and so every oh, time I sure. think of beets but I love the like the light colored beets now but it was it was just that association with why would they serve us beets it is and really amazing that food can make those sense memory connections yes so so quickly and it can be from yeah like being so young that you remember immediately the smell the taste of where you were yeah the feeling of the people all through what you're eating, right? And everybody that lives in this house loves beets. So I don't deny them the beets, but I'm never going to have them. Yeah. They're just, yeah. Because yeah. you're the mom yeah. and you can decide. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Speaking of sort of food memories and connections, we always ask our guests to contribute five songs to our ever-growing Food Story Spotify playlist. And you have your five songs. I know what they are, and I'm so excited about them. Do you want to tell me about one or two of them? And, and okay. 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 Oh, so them, you can do it sort of quickly like that because they're great okay. songs. Okay. Okay. I'm going to tell you all five because you have okay. to have them in the mixture because it makes sense. Well, it makes okay. sense to me. Okay. So the first one that I found, and I couldn't even remember it, so I had to Google it, but it was Randy Travis, Forever and Ever, Amen. And then right. number, number two was Wham, Careless Whispers. <laughs> Very different from Randy Travis, similar era. Okay. And number three is Sting, If You Love Someone, Set Them Free. Okay. Number four is, oh no, sorry, one, two, one, two, three. I did six. Oops. Okay. Well, I'll just so well, the that's um, fine. new kids on the block. I'll be loving you forever. Oh, and if anybody knows Josie, that's a no-brainer. And I have Boney M. Rasputin. Okay. And my last one is Van Halen. Why can't this be love? Okay, so <laughs> kind of all from a similar era. Yes. Right. So we're sort of thinking about where your brain was going as far as that time in your life. But okay, tell me, tell me the backstory. Okay. So um, Randy Travis, Forever and Ever, ever Amen, and um, Van Halen, Why Can't This Be Love, and Boney M, they were on the jukebox that was in the, the bar, the country bar. Oh. And that's what one of the, those are the three songs that I remember people playing all the time. And yeah. when you can't do this now, but when you're um, like in the eighties and nineties, if you're underage, you can, I could still go in the bar. I was allowed to kind of go in there, get stuff, come back out. And um, like at all, the ice machine was in the bar. So I'd have to go in there and um, you know, I just had to grab things so I could go in. But as soon as that, they really set the rules, I think I was 18 by then, so it didn't really matter. So I, I went in and out all the time. So that's what I would always hear. And mm -hmm. um, that was also would be on the radio because they had this little radio in the restaurant and mm -hmm. you would hear that every once in a while. Mm -hmm. So those are the, the, the ones that always came up. And the Randy Travis song was the funny one because my mom did. So, in, so there was a stage in the country bar and they would have some bands like every weekend. But during the weekdays, they would have two-step lessons. 
And wow. my mom was be two stepping with her cowboy boots. Oh. Well, this little Chinese lady in her cowboy boots, and she was a good <laughs> dancer. So she would be Aww. doing that. And so I always just remember her and Randy Travis. Like it's just kind of a I love that. That it's just connected to me. Uh-huh. Um, the uh, other two songs, like they, I don't have like personal, like I don't love the songs, but I just always hear them. Whenever I hear them, I think of the hotel, the, the bar. And then in the bar, there was like, you know, the deer, deer um, horn. That yeah, all like over the wall. Yeah. 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 So there'd be like those and there'd be like the neon lights. So it was very yeah. country. Oh, yeah. 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 Okay. That's those okay. three, right? Yep. Yep. Okay. And so the other ones is the songs that I just played over and over that I loved. And right. when we were able to get like a tape um, tape recorder and everything, and we were able to tape songs off the radio, mm-hmm. I would just play those constantly when I was working, which drove everybody crazy. <laughs> so I would just play my tapes and um, I kind of was more into the music than actual waitressing. So I could run over, flip the tape over, and I could care less if anybody got their dinner. <laughs> I love it. Many teenagers feel that same way. Yes. And yeah. are relating to you currently. That's amazing. That's, I, yeah, I feel that because you and I are the same age. So, you know, that just, it, it hits, they hit for sure. <laughs> um, I have just a couple more questions. So sharing a recipe that's important to you, is that your sea bass recipe? Yeah, that's my sea bass. Yeah. Wonderful. Okay. So you're going to give that to us and we're going to link it in the yeah. show notes for everybody, yeah. which is wonderful. And um, do you, would you like to talk about uh, your business and anything that you would like to tell anybody about uh, photography and who you are? Today? Well, that's another chapter that has nothing to do with food, mm-hmm. but it has to do with um, my decision to go into art school. Um, when, when my parents were very traditional and they wanted their children to be in medicine or to be in business or, mm-hmm. you know, be a lawyer. And mm-hmm. so because they have three kids, one would go to medicine, one would be, a, you know, somehow in some legal profession and then mm-hmm. somebody would be in business. So they assumed mm-hmm. I think my brother would take over the business, but he's an architect, so he was not interested. And so I wanted to go to art school and back then it was like, why would you want to waste your time? I didn't care. And I, I've always, cause I'm the middle child. I always pretty much did what I wanted and mm-hmm. I usually, you know, got in trouble for it. And so I just went to art school, loved, I was actually first a sculptor. And then I switched over and then did a double major in sculpture and photography. So um, photography is my love. I have been doing it since 97. Mm -hmm. And it literally is the reason that I get to eat good food. Well, there is that connection then. Yes. So it pays for me to have the food that I want. Because I could, because I could just, I think I could settle with, you know, a job and then, you know, eat my potatoes and my meat, but no, that's not me. So yeah, I need food and I love food. And the, um, the photo that you provided for us for, for the promotion for the podcast isn't of you. 
No. Um, and, and so it's of a Chinese takeout food box. Yes. Yeah. So tell me about that. So, <laughs> so that was from my, um, when I did my master's in photography in 2001, um, I did an exhibition and I took all these photos of things that I've either taken of my family or of old Polaroids. And then I would print them out, cut them into takeout boxes and fold them into takeout boxes and put the wire in. And I had an exhibition about 50 of these different family bits of my life. And so that picture, um, that one is with my dad eating. And it's a photo sculpture that I made, which I took a picture of and I folded it all up. That one's lined with velvet because I had to put this kind of texture. It had to be touched because the box is so used when you get it, you you fold it, you unfold it, you, mm-hmm. you know, it just gets really touched. And I wanted it to have this feel of silky luxury to it. So mm. if you were to unfold it, the words actually say on it, um, more water from the mouth than tea. And so that's my translation of what my dad used to say to me all the time. And that, so in Chinese, I can't remember. I was going to actually go find out what it, um, how to say it, but I can't remember because I haven't spoken Chinese in like 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad used to say it because it means um, you talk too much and you're not enjoying drinking your tea during the meal. <laughs> so, his, <laughs> so his thing was, when you're eating, he wanted us to take our glasses off, uh-huh. even though we can't see without them. Uh-huh. He wanted us to really enjoy the food and be so, present. And yes, mind- be present. Mindful. Yeah, um, and stop talking. So <laughs> I'm the talker of the family, so yeah. it was constant. Like he's like, stop talking and stop wasting your spit on talking, <laughs> and oh, enjoy wow. that tea. Yeah. Well, I think that's maybe the perfect place to, not that you were talking too much, but I think that's a, a really amazing place to end this, just to think about how lucky we are really to have the food that we do and and to be able to enjoy it mindfully. And hopefully anybody out there that's cozying up with a cup of tea will take their glasses off and take a minute to enjoy it as they listen to this podcast. Thank you so much, Josie. I think this is Thank I think you. such a rich, amazing food story. And I'm so pleased that you got to share it with us. If you can see me while I'm talking and explaining all this, my hands are going crazy. My eyes are closed the whole time. And I'm just <laughs> like, um, just, you know, just ex- like feeling all the words. I'm excited. And I can't believe that I've, I, I don't even remember, um, thinking about this in the last like 10 years like it's just kind of it's brought you back yeah it's brought me back oh that's amazing well i'm i'm gonna go look see if we can find some sea bass maybe okay you you can cook for me that would be wonderful oh that would be that would be scary but also fun (laughs) (laughs) because i have not made it i don't think i've made it for probably 15 years oh well let's Let's do well, maybe it. Maybe not. Maybe not that long because I know that Nixon has had it before. 
Great. Well, let's, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, I think okay. that that's a great, a great thing. So um, thank you, everybody, for, for listening to um, one of our first episodes of Food Stories. Like I said, we will link Josie's amazing recipe in the show notes and go ahead and get on over to Spotify so you can rock out to Raspington while you're making it. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much, everybody.